0: Transgenderism, the need for grace and truth. Part two of that topic today right here on the Christian Worldview radio program where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. So thanks for joining us today on the program and thanks to many of you who support the Christian worldview, and write us very encouraging notes. That is so much appreciated. Now to preview the topic. The lie of transgenderism has been accepted hook, line, and sinker in our society today, no matter that it is biologically impossible to change the sex that God created each person to be in their mother's womb. Now, it stands to reason that a society that perverted God's design for one man and one woman marriage would soon move on to perverting God's design for the two sexes. For instance, a man who makes himself look like a woman has just been confirmed by the U.S. Senate to be the nation's assistant secretary of health. Court cases around the country are cropping up to either allow or ban biological males from competing in sports against females and to use their locker rooms. So, what's next for children to be corrupted and for adults to be enslaved? Polyamory? Well, actually, yes. Cambridge, Massachusetts just passed a measure recognizing domestic partnership, quote unquote, families of three or more people, which will include the, the right to adopt children. The story was accompanied by a picture of three men holding two little children as the quote unquote family. You can find that link on our website. So this weekend on The Christian Real View, we're going to discuss Part 2 of Transgenderism, The Need for Grace and Truth, with guest M.D. Perkins, who is the producer of the excellent documentary film In His Image, Delighting in God's Plan for Gender and Sexuality. And we are offering in His image, which is a 103-minute DVD film, for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. We also have a five-pack of the film if you'd like to pass it out to to friends or your church. You can order it the usual ways by going to our website, thechristianworldview.org, or calling us at our office at one triple eight six four six twenty two thirty three, or you can write to us at Box four zero one Excelsior, Minnesota five five and we'll give that information out throughout the program today. Before we get to the interview with MD Perkins today, I'd just like to answer a question that Often comes up when you discuss the topics of transgenderism or homosexuality. And the questions are, go like this. So why does this even need to be discussed? Why are Christians always so focused on sexual issues? Why not just let people do what they want to do? How does it affect my life anyway? Well, I'm going to give you 12 quick reasons why this needs to be discussed, and why Christians need to have a sharp biblical worldview on this particular issue. The first and most important reason is because people's lives and eternities are at stake. If you affirm someone in their sin, tell them their sin is, it is good and right to keep doing what they're doing, you are leading them to eternal destruction, First Corinthians chapter six says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that has to do with transgenderism, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Based on that one passage alone, and and of course others, True love gracefully and truthfully talks to someone about their sin and offers them and tells them about the good news of God's offer of forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the first and most important answer why this needs to be discussed and not looked away from or avoided because souls are at stake. Number two, other people besides the transgender person are harmed and silenced by the transgender movement. You ask how? Well, let me just give you one example. Christian Headlines website from this month, March 2021. A father, a Canadian father, was jailed this month after he disobeyed a court order and refused to call his 14-year-old biological daughter, who identifies as male, his son. We have this particular article linked on thechristianworldview.org. Should someone really be compelled or forced to use the preferred pronouns of someone or be jailed? Really? The transgender movement and the homosexual movement, the LGBTQ movement, ruins freedom of conscience and speech and religion because it forces others to go along with their worldview or else. Number three, children are physically harmed. I'm just going to play a quick soundbite of Rand Paul, senator, questioning, quote, Rachel Levine, who is a biological man making himself up as a woman. Listen to this man's view of transgenderism. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex?
1: Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I would look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah, medicine.
0: The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. That man who calls himself Rachel Levine is now the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health. Not only that, with the views of giving children the choice of genital mutilation and hormone therapy, truly wicked. Number four, transgenderism is promoted in public schools to your children and grandchildren, and you pay for it. Number five, children or girls have to endure loss of privacy or worse, sexual deviancy when someone of the opposite sex uses their bathroom or locker room. Number six. School districts have to accommodate a very small minority of students who, quote, identify themselves as a different gender. Just here in Minnesota recently, a major school district in the Twin Cities metro area was fined $300,000 for not accommodating a transgender student. Number seven, this this one's been in the news a lot. Girls lose to boys when boys who identify as girls are allowed to compete against girls In sport, Ray Hackey, an attorney, said, let's be clear, transgender females, boys who self-identify as girls, are not being denied the opportunity to compete as they claim. What they're demanding is the opportunity to compete on their terms, even though it would adversely affect actual women and girls. Number eight, counselors are not allowed to try to help someone get out of transgenderism. They're not allowed conversion therapy, as it's called. Number nine, our military is distracted and confused when it codifies transgenderism and homosexuality and policy and practice. Number 10, your tax dollars are directed to pay for prison inmates wanting transgender surgeries. And you pay for government-funded transgenderism training within within our government. Number 11, qualified heterosexual people are not hired to make room for transgender people. Here's what U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth said. I am a no vote on the floor on all non-diversity nominees. You know, I will vote for racial minorities and I will vote for LGBTQ. But anyone else, I'm not voting for, she told reporters. Well, since then, she's said she's changed her mind, but that gives you a good idea of the fact that these quotas come in and it hurts other people. And the final reason why transgenderism hurts society and people generally is that Romans 1, God gives over a nation that rebels against him. So that first and last reason are the most important reasons, but there's lots of other consequences in between. So where is the church in all of this? That's where we left off last week with M.D. Perkins, our guest, the producer of the film, In His Image. Let's get back to the interview with him, starting out with a soundbite from the film.
2: The problem for most people is not a matter of understanding what the Bible says, but of accepting it. And that's where we get the tsunami of gay Christianity that's hitting the church. So rather than allowing the word of God to change us, many are trying to change the word of God and make no mistake about it efforts to change God's eternal word are coming to a church near you
3: let's talk about being transgender and Christian
1: love and acceptance and inclusion
3: they are legally married this
0: is a queer read Sodom and Gomorrah is a queer positive story
2: same-sex love is in the bible
0: Jonathan and
1: David Ruth and Naomi
2: There are those scripture passages that have been used to
4: beat up on people like me and other queers.
1: Is homosexuality a sin?
2: I've come to really resent that question. There's the gay Christian network, gay Christian conferences, gay Christian pastors, and and seminary professors. But in the end, the problem has to do with the authority of God's word. And, And just as the serpent asked in the garden, did God really say tempting eve to question the clear commands of the lord that same spirit is speaking today tempting us to question what is plainly written whose voice will we listen to
5: when you understand that for all of christian history until like last week (laughs) christians have held homosexual behavior to be sinful it is the height of audacity to suggest that now we're understanding the Bible in a way that they couldn't. I have much more sympathy, actually, to liberal scholars who are just honest and say, well, obviously, that's what the Bible teaches, and we've just come to disagree with the Bible. In
0: that soundbite we just played, MD, is some of the, the things we hear now about how the LGBTQ movement's trying to press into the church, the idea that you can be a same-sex attracted Christian or a Gay Christian, Kevin DeYoung, in the follow up, some bite to that says, I mean, the audacity of, of just misinterpreting scripture like this. I mean, when scripture is so clear. So, how are homosexuality and transgenderism making such strong inroads into the evangelical church today when the Bible is just consistently and from front to back so clear about God's standard for sexuality and gender?
6: Well there's several things we could we could point to and highlight in this. One I would say is just the desire to be nice, to not really Christians, of course, we love people. We want to be seen as loving because it's a reflection of of God's love towards us. So we want to be loving and we want to be kind. And we certainly don't want people to think ill of us or think that we are that we have an axe to grind or we're out here just trying to make people's lives miserable. Of course, that's not the case. But within that is is the temptation to begin to think, well, maybe I'm wrong on this or maybe I just need to be quiet or maybe maybe their experience is more is maybe there's more to that experience than I've ever really given credit to. And I just need to be silent and I just need to sit back and I just need to kind of accept these things and let them roll out. Well, of course that, that leads to this kind of thing. And and there's a lot of, Um, there's a lot of passivity and a lot of unwillingness to really get in there, frankly, sometimes because we're embarrassed. Now it could be embarrassment for some people because they have their own uh, sexual skeletons in the closet. Perhaps they're addicted to pornography or perhaps they're, they're having an affair or there's, there's a lot of ways in which they haven't sanctified their own mind. And, and so Suddenly, when someone says, well, I'm just attracted to the same sex, I'm not saying that I'm, uh, that I'm sinning when I'm doing that. Someone might say, well, you know, I'm, I don't want to talk about my own issues because that would then put put the burden back on me. So I'll just kind of accept this and let it roll out. And then sometimes it's just an embarrassment because we don't want to be seen by the world as, as standing against the world's way. And so we want to find this kind of other way, this middle way that is able to appeal to things that the world likes so we'll say well you know homophobia is wrong and the church has been real real cruel toward gay people so we need to stand up on this but then when it comes to bearing the truth on the issues of homosexuality suddenly it gets real loose and it gets real vague and suddenly the the clear uh scriptural uh the real scriptural words you know such as it is an abomination or it's a defiling passion, these kinds of words suddenly disappear from the Christian's language, and now it's just orientation or it's just same-sex attraction. Do you see the difference in those two descriptions? You know, the Bible calls it unnatural lust, and we're like, well, it's same-sex attraction. I'm just kind of generally bent in this way. Uh, that's, that's a very, that's very much a softening of the language with the intent. I mean, who knows what a individual person's intent is, but I can tell you what the enemy's intent with the use of that language is, and it is to move us away from the truth and to lock people into this mindset of thinking, well, I am this way and I can't change, you know, this whole orientation narrative kind of sets up this whole idea that, well, I'm just born this way. It's innate and it's immutable. That means I was born this way and I can't change. Hmm. Well, if if that's true, then how is First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, where it talks about, you know know. malakoi and arsenikoitai, in other words, effeminate and homosexuals, such were some of you Mm -hmm. is what it says there. That, that you were this way. You, you were thieves. Some of you were idolaters. Some of you were homosexuals. And yet you've laid those things aside and you've you've come to Christ and he has redeemed you. And of course, we recognize that the Christian still struggles with indwelling sin. The Christian still struggles with temptation, but it actually is a struggle. It's not something that we just accept and, re- and kind of sit back in and make the special category for that says, well, you know, this is different from just have a single. Same- having a sin nature. This is something that I'm, I'm born with and it can't change. And even God's grace can't reach in and change this.
3: The Christian worldview with David Wheaton returns in just a moment. I
7: struggled with my identity all the way through my life. Lived eight years as Laura Jensen until I found the Lord Jesus Christ.
2: The issues are unavoidable. They're on the news.
4: The White House in rainbow colors.
2: They're in our legislation. The Texas bathroom bill. In our schools. Drag queen story out. They're even reaching into our churches.
4: Let us be the church together.
2: We're not just talking about issues. We're talking about People.
0: The proceeding is from In His Image, a 103-minute documentary film that biblically and compassionately addresses the issue of transgenderism. You can order the DVD for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331 or visit thechristianworldview.org. That's one triple eight six four six twenty two thirty three or the Christian dot org. David Wheaton here, host of The Christian Worldview. For over 15 years, our mission has been to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We pursue that mission on air through radio programs, in person hosting events, and online through audio, video, and print resources. We are an all-volunteer ministry, but have monthly operating expenses, the most significant being the cost of airtime on the station, website, or app on which you hear the radio program. We are looking for monthly partners so that each station or website is supported by its own listeners. The level of financial support for a given outlet is a key decision point whether we continue paying to broadcast there. To become a monthly partner of any amount, call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thank you for listening to and supporting The Christian Worldview.
3: Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianworldview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print newsletter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Now, back to today's program with host David Wheaton.
0: There should be no modifiers before being a follower of Christ, and that is one of the powerful parts of the film, MD, is the fact that you talked about this earlier, the testimonies, mm. of people who are in the film who were transgender and like a man who lived as a woman or tried mm-hmm. to live as a woman for eight years or 10 years or another woman who tried to be a man. I and mean, these are very radical conversions of them, how Jesus Christ saved them. And they explicitly say so. Yeah. Um, so the the point is to your last answer there that no, we're not to harbor uh, any sort of sin. Jesus made it clear. If you look at a woman to lust for her, you've committed adultery in your heart. Okay? That means we're not to lust or have desire for anyone who is not our husband or wife, our spouse. So that, that precludes the idea, that, that sin, basically, mm-hmm. to, to lust for anyone that's not your husband or wife. You, this is the way God defines marriage, one man, one woman marriage. So anything beyond that, we, we cannot harbor that or accept that, well, I'm just same-sex attracted or I'm a gay Christian. Now, those are outside the purview of what Jesus himself And the Bible clearly states again, M.D. Perkins with us today. Here on the Christian Worldview, the producer of In His Image, Delighting in God's Plan for Gender and Sexuality. You can order a copy of this excellent DVD for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. Just get in contact with us the usual ways. Go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, or you can call us in our office at 1 646 2233. That's 1 646 2233. And you can also write to us at box 401. 401- Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. And that contact information will be given out throughout the program today. Okay, let's get to another soundbite from the film. And I think these are very helpful to hear from a teaching standpoint, but also to give listeners a taste of what the film is like. This is Abraham Hamilton uh, talking about how culture has totally undermined the roles and And the characteristics of men and women. The the
1: cultural pension, if you notice, there's an effort to masculinize women and to feminize men and just reduce humankind into this amalgamation and mass of nondescript, nondistinct humanity. We say in order for a woman to truly be a woman, well, she has to adopt these masculine characteristics. Uh, We're saying today in order for a man to truly be a modern man, that he has to embrace things that are commonly feminine. So what we're dealing with is the the worldly presentations of what manhood and womanhood is, creating the straw men of toxic masculinity, when really the things that are referred to as toxic is just sinfulness. What needs to be highlighted and isolated is the sinfulness, but not to trash the idea of masculinity, because guess what? You don't realize how much you need men until you need them. <laughs> you know, God has made men with broad shoulders, more muscular and things of that nature for a purpose. God has made women the exclusive Persons with the capacity to incubate a child, men and women, no matter how much we try to make them the same, men and women are
0: different. And this is something you've mentioned already, too, about the, the change of masculinity and femininity in our culture, how they're just opposite. They've just been trying to be flipped. They're trying to make men like women and women like men. Yeah. I, I still think there's probably an element listening today who hear our conversation And they're heterosexual, they're married, and they just can't imagine someone being attracted to someone of the same sex. Or there are people listening today who can't imagine an inner compulsion to be a sex different than the sex they were born with. How do you explain let's just deal with the transgender element of it because that's what the focus main focus of the film was. How do you explain the transgender desire that someone has where there's a great gender dysphoria, or gender confusion. I mean you look at the testimonies in the film and I mean these people are very honest and sincere that they
6: just did not feel like they were the sex they were born with. There's obviously there's many things that go into how someone feels about themselves. And this is this has been the question of psychiatry and psychology since the invention of those fields is trying to understand how do human beings think and reason and understand themselves. And, of course, secular psychology has all kinds of answers that it puts forward and it wants to put out um, some kind of basically some kind of innate idea, because obviously these things are also these things are never disconnected from political Ideas. So if you can call it innate and you can call it biological, you can create a, a civil rights category that can be adhered to and, and reflected in law. But in terms of a person's individual experiences, well, quite commonly, Especially within the transgender conversation, there is some element of abuse that often happens in the background, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, things that were harmful to a person at a young age that were very um, that were they were quite shaping to the person's way of, of understanding themselves and thinking about themselves and relating to other people. And sometimes it may not be abuse so much in the background, but it is this way of feeling like I don't belong I I feel different than other people. And then someone starts to internalize that. And then this idea, like you mentioned the word transgenderism earlier, if you throw out that word, And someone is already questioning, well, I feel a little different. Suddenly that word is something that they can grab hold of and say, well, maybe this explains what's going on inside of me. So of course it's very difficult to actually get inside someone's head and understand exactly what they're what they're feeling and what they're thinking about and how they're understanding themselves, because of course, as the scripture says, the heart is deceitful and wicked and it leads us astray. It isn't it isn't a good guide toward truth and toward clarity. But, um, you know, so there's so many things that are happening inside someone's head. and, And I think it's important for Christians to realize that we're not describing things that are that truly are biologically there. I mean, even the research on this that has tried to prove that even, you know, transgenderism could have something to do within the gestational period, that there's something something different in the brain or something. They've never been able to prove this conclusively, and there's no evidence that that a, a transgender brain, so to speak, is any different from from a regular, um, someone who's, who clearly identifies and is happy within the sex that they were born with. There's no evidence of this anywhere within the scientific field, and and as try as they might many secular scientists are trying to find these kinds of things because they want to they want to justify it and they want to find an explanation and honestly nature just hasn't given it to us so we have to go back into the psychology we have to go back into people's minds and how do they How do they understand themselves? I mean, honestly, if I think back over my life, the way that I even interpret my own thoughts over time, that changes as I grow, as I mature, as I experience other things. And so those things can reinforce ideas that I had in my head or work against ideas that I had in my head. And so there's so many ways we need to get out of just thinking about ourselves and and so much internalizing uh, through this, this whole psychological movement and this whole idea of we have to somehow empathize with this, with this mindset. Of course, the Bible talks about sympathy, but it doesn't talk about empathy in the way that people use that term nowadays. And so we need to be clear. Uh, we need to point people back toward truth, and we need to be clear about the truth ourselves. MD Perkins with us today in the Christian Realview,
0: the producer of In His Image. Again, you can get this film. You can order it from us for a donation of any amount. You'll get a DVD, actually a two-DVD set, uh, where the second DVD has two and a half hours of additional content and testimonies in there. Powerful presentation on this topic, really helpful to understand this next soundbite is from Mary Cassian. She is an author, speaker, and professor of women's studies at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And she talks in this soundbite about how sex and gender are two things that we just rebel against God. Men
4: and women rebel against God. We rebel against him in many ways. And I think our gender and sexuality is, is one of the primary ways we rebel against God. We like to shake our fist to God and say, why did you make me this way? I don't like it. I'm going to define who I am for myself. And Isaiah 29, 16 speaks to that. The Lord says to us, you have turned things around as if the potter were the same as the clay. How can what is made say about its maker, He didn't make me. How can what is formed say about the one who formed it? He doesn't understand what he is doing. So, God is the potter. We are the clay. He has a right to make us into the type of vessel that he wants and to shape us and form us the way that he wants because he is potter. He is God, and we are not
0: God. When you got into the film, to a lot of the attempts at people, especially children, who are trying to change their gender, Uh, And and there, there are people advocating for this. I mean, there are some people who are just confused, like you're saying, who just don't feel right in their own body. But then there are those who are not saying, hey, stop, let's wait. Let's go a different direction. You need help. It's the opposite. Hmm. There are doctors who are giving these hormonal treatments and doing these surgeries and not telling parents. And there are politicians who are pushing for it. There are uh, teachers in the public educational system pushing hard this transgender movement for your kids. There are others, uh, advocacy groups, a Human Rights Campaign. These people are strongly advocating for what is wicked, what is unscientific, as you just mentioned what is very dark and dangerous, uh, what leads to um, terrible health problems, often irreversible, taking hormonal treatments uh, leads to sterilization, I mean, literally a change of your entire life. How should those people be viewed and, and addressed on, on this issue? And, and should it be different than really the compassionate, gospel-oriented way that you deal in the film with those who are just struggling with this?
6: Yeah, I mean, what you're pointing out there, David, is there is a difference within the Christian's posture toward different different sets of people and different sets of arguments. If you're talking about someone who comes to you and they say, well, I, I, just, I struggle with this and I don't understand, I don't feel right, the Christian has one set of responses. The response isn't to to start talking about, well, you don't need to go into these bathrooms and you don't need to be voting for these things in the public arena and all these kinds of things The the way that the Christian in an evangelistic way and in a discipleship kind of way wants to come alongside and hear someone out and lead them is one thing. But when you have people in the public square who are publicly and defiantly both advocating for and teaching on these things, then that does require a different approach. You know, God in his word talks about teachers being held to a higher standard. And that's what an advocate is, as a teacher for an ideology. And so when, when it comes to that, there isn't this, well, let me just hear you out and let me understand your story. If you have a relationship that might come out, but in most cases, we're just, we're, we're, we have to bear witness against the, we have to bear witness to the truth. We have to speak the truth in, in a clear and bold way. And sometimes it always, it may not always sound loving to the, person who's hearing it but you have to bear witness to the truth regardless. And so, yeah, I mean there's there's different approaches, there's different ways in which we need to deal with with people based on the context of our relationship or or what have you. And the Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us in that if we're actually trying to follow the Lord, the Lord will will help us in this thing. But is is our desire ultimately to honor the Lord? Is our desire to have people be set free and to walk in truth? Or is our desire just to go along, to get along, and to not really rock the boat too much, and to not really cause many waves or ripples within our personal life or within our public life? And those are real questions that Christians are going to increasingly have to ask as the world becomes more strident in their viewpoints on issues like transgenderism.
0: Final question for you, MD, is for the person listening today, hearing this conversation, someone who's struggling with not feeling, again, it goes back to feelings, Mm -hmm. that they are, they should be the sex that God gave them, determined for them, sovereignly and divinely determined for them at birth. They're struggling with transgenderism. Or there's parents today listening who have a child Mm -hmm. who are, who is struggling with this. And it often happens early on. And for some of the causal reasons that you uh, articulated earlier, what is, the message from God's holy
6: word for someone struggling with it, or maybe the parents of a child who is struggling with it to accept who God made you to be. That is not always an easy thing for anyone to hear the rise of human pride and and self-realization and the desire to be able to, to speak our own words and to live our own lives and not have to be beholden to anyone. I mean, that's, that's the nature of human sin and human destruction. But when we, when we were talking with somebody, we should seek to be compassionate in the way that we speak and to let them know that, that these are not, these are not insurmountable things that you just have to deal with forever, that there is a way that God can, God can work. If you actually care about what God says, if you actually want to be clear and you actually want these things to be settled, it will require you to submit to God and his word. But if if you don't, then you will continually be frustrated and you will continually uh, push back against it and you will live your life in that perpetual tension of of pushing back and coming back in and pushing back. And eventually over time, your heart will be hardened in that process Mm -hmm. and you will be given over to the things that you ultimately desire. And And that's a sad thing for anybody, whether whether they struggle with gender identity or they're just a, a lost religious person who really doesn't love the Lord and really doesn't love people and, and doesn't and they just become even more hardened and strident in their own self-righteousness and and good works that they think are are somehow make them meritorious in God's eyes. but we, we all come before God as broken, needy sinners and and God is a gracious and merciful savior. And he has promised to redeem the, he came to seek, to seek and to save those who were lost. And what an amazing God that we serve that he, he reaches out, you know, I was a lost religious kid. You know, I grew up in church and I, I had a lot of the right answers to the, to the questions, but I needed a savior. And if God can come and, and rescue someone like me, he can rescue someone who is is broken and and uh, and downcast and has all kinds of confusing questions about their own identity and how they feel and nothing feels right. You know, Laura Perry says in the film that her mom gave her the advice when she was just coming out of transgenderism that you need to trust the Lord and walk by faith, but you can't make your feelings a source of faith. You have to trust on something more firm than that. And that is God's word. And that's, that's a call to every believer, whatever you struggle with.
0: Uh, so well said. MD, thank you so much for coming on the the program today. Really well done to you and your team uh, for this film. In thank his you. image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. We hope many listeners will order it for a donation of any amount to the Christian Real View, or maybe even get the five DVD pack. We have that as well, too. Uh, and give it to people. People need to. Uh, not only know and understand this issue, but I, I think the the foundation, of course, that this film takes is, is very, very helpful and biblical. So thank you again for coming on the Christian Worldview and all of God's best and grace to you, MD.
6: Thank you for having me, David.
0: Again, you can get the DVD of the film in his image for a limited time right through us here at the Christian Worldview for a donation of any amount to the ministry. Just go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, or call us one triple eight six four six twenty two thirty three. That's one triple eight six four six twenty two thirty three. Or you can write to us as well at Box Four Zero One Excelsior, Minnesota. 55331. The Christian
3: Worldview with David Wheaton returns in just a moment.
7: I struggled with my identity all the way through my life. Lived eight years as Laura Jensen until I found the Lord Jesus Christ.
2: The issues are unavoidable. They're on the news. The White House in rainbow colors. They're in our legislation. The Texas bathroom bill. In our schools. Drag queen story out. They're even reaching into our churches.
7: Let us be the church together.
2: We're not just talking about issues. We're talking about
0: people. The proceeding is from In His Image, a 103-minute documentary film that biblically and compassionately addresses the issue of transgenderism. You can order the DVD for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Call one 646 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331 or visit thechristianworldview.org. That's 1-888-646-2233 or thechristianworldview.org.
4: Be sure to take advantage of two free resources that will keep you informed and sharpen your worldview. The first is the Christian Worldview weekly email, which comes to your inbox each Friday. It contains a preview of the upcoming radio program, along with need to read articles, featured resources, special events, and audio of the previous program. The second is the Christian Worldview annual print letter, which is delivered to your mailbox in November. It contains a year-end letter from host David Wheaton and a listing of our store items, including DVDs, books, children's materials, and more. You can sign up for the weekly email and annual print letter by visiting thechristianworldview.org or calling 1-888-646-2233. Your email and mailing address will never be shared, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Call 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org.
3: Thanks for joining us on The Christian Worldview. Just a reminder that today's program and past programs are archived at our website, thechristianworldview.org. Short takes are also available, and be sure to share with others. Now, back to today's program with host David Wheaton.
0: Now, for those of you who were listening last week to the program likely heard the soundbite by Congressman Greg Steube from Florida when he spoke on the House floor against the passage of the Equality Act, which is going to put homosexuality and transgenderism as part of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. It will be illegal to discriminate on the basis of these two categories now, homosexuality or uh, gender identity, immediately putting Christians who have a biblically-based worldview at odds and under threat of being prosecuted uh, if they don't affirm or go along with uh, homosexuality and transgenderism. I want to play that soundbite again, because the response to it by one of the highest-ranking members in the Democratic Party, Jerry Nadler's response is incredibly telling about where we are as a country.
7: I'm going to start with the truth. Deuteronomy 22.5 states, A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Now this verse isn't concerned about clothing styles, but with people determining their own sexual identities. It's not clothing or personal style that offends God, but rather the use of one's appearance to act out or take on a sexual identity different from the one biologically assigned by God at birth. In his wisdom, God intentionally made each individual uniquely either male or female. When men or women claim to be able to choose their own sexual identity, they are making a statement that God did not know what he was doing when he created them. Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. And this bill speaks directly against what is laid out in scripture. Our government, through this bill, is going to redefine what a woman is and what a man is.
0: Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Let me repeat what Jerry Nather just said in response to Greg Stubbe. What any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is of no concern to this Congress, Why that's a falsehood is because every viewpoint, every viewpoint, whether it's Professed to be secular or any other viewpoint comes from a source, whether it's a, a book, maybe it's a religious book, maybe it's an observation someone makes, maybe it comes from a writer or a teacher, uh, a scientific study, every viewpoint comes from a source. In so-called secular sources, as Jerry Nadler says, we shouldn't have any religious tradition have any part of discussion here in Congress. So-called secular sources have been much influenced by religion. For instance, why does Jerry Nadler believe murder is wrong? I assume he does. After all, for animals like secularists believe, why does murder matter between humans? I mean, animals kill each other all the time. Now, the reason Jerry Nadler believes murder is wrong, I'm assuming, is because the biblical worldview has influenced his Thinking even if he completely rejects a biblical worldview. So there's a borrowing of even those who are secular from religious sources. And the second point is this, that secular sources are actually religious. The worldview of secular humanism. That is actually a designated religion. Go to a, a college campus and look up the, the list of religions on the campus. You'll, you'll often find secular humanism as a designated religion. Third of all, it's impossible to divide or bifurcate the sacred from the secular. And that's actually really not that important to do so. Oh, that's secular. That's, that's sacred. That's religious. That's not really important. The important thing is, is the assertion being made actually true is it actually match reality? Is what Greg Stuby declared from God's Word that God designed two genders and one can't change their gender? The issue is not one of religion. it comes from a religious belief but the question is the issue is is it the truth? Is he actually speaking the truth that there are just two genders and you can't change your gender? because if what he said is true then it needs to be embraced. Otherwise, if you reject what he said, you are going to be following a lie, a falsehood. And that is exactly the problem. There are too many people today in our country who have believed the lie about the transgender issue, the homosexual issue, and the church is not doing enough to counteract it. Have you heard well-known evangelical pastors and leaders explain and speak about Christianity this issue we're discussing today, transgenderism. Let's think of someone like Craig Groeschel. He's the pastor of the largest church in the country, life.church. Or how about Andy Stanley, very popular evangelical leader, or Tim Keller, or or Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, pastors of church in Southern California. Or how about David Platt, another well-known evangelical leader, or Matt Chandler, the pastor down uh, in Texas. Have you heard any of them make strong defenses of biblical morality, not even just in their church, but publicly, that there's a strong pushback from them and others like them in their positions of leadership? Have you heard them pushing back and explaining uh, what the biblical stance on this should be? I've heard John MacArthur speak on this. American Family Association, of course, has, has spoken out against this and does so frequently. They just made this film in his image. I've even heard Al Mohler, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, speak out against this particular issue. I think he's lost control of the SBC, but at least he said a few things about this particular issue of transgenderism. Christians and churches are not going to be able to avoid this issue. Churches and schools are going to be sued and fined or worse over the LGBTQ movement. Christians in the church better start developing strong convictions based on the word of God in a in a legal plan actually before this completely overtakes Christian in institutions and Christians individually in this country. And there's another soundbite from the film In His Image that talks about the need for Christians to be able to confront this sin. Love cares enough to confront.
5: Love doesn't coddle. Love is not enabling. Love cares enough to step in the way and say, you need to stop doing this. And just like if someone came to us and was struggling with anorexia and bulimia and said, I'm, I'm, I'm so overweight, I'm fat, I, I can't eat anymore. You know, anyone who loves that person, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't adopt their reality and say, you know what, you are overweight. You should stop eating. If that's the way you feel, that's who you really are. None of us would do that. We understand that love in that case is to gently, patiently help that person see that how they're viewing themselves is not accurate.
0: It's an excellent point by Kevin DeYoung there at the end of that particular soundbite. Love cares enough about another person's soul to tell them, The truth with grace, not hammering them over the head, but telling them lovingly what God's design is and how they can be rescued from it through repentance of their sin and putting their faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ on their behalf. You know, Jesus is very clear on these issues. You'll hear often, oh, well, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. He never said anything about transgenderism. Just look at these three passages from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 15, and Matthew chapter 19. What Jesus talks about with marriage sets the the foundation for what we know to be true about marriage and sexuality. He says in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman With lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The implication is of one man and one woman marriage, not same sex so called marriage. And by the way, even takes it beyond the physical act of adultery. I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust, so that's even wrong as well. That's why you can't be a same sex attracted or gay Christian. You can't make that part of your identity. That means you're a, I'm a practicing, sinning Christian. No. We must overcome, in the power of the spirit, through the truth of the word, the, the temptations to sin that are so frequently around us in this fallen world. In Matthew 15, again, Jesus defines what marriage is: a father, a male and a mother, a female. He says in uh, verse four, "For God said, "Honor your father and mother." In Matthew chapter 19. It says in verse three, some Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, came to Jesus testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And Jesus answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in that just couple sentences, Jesus covers so many bases. He said that God is the one who made just two sexes, two genders, male and female. He's the one who creates us, designs us to be a particular sex, male or female. Embrace that. Don't reject it. Number two, he says marriage there is between a man and a woman, a father and a mother raising children. So Jesus is very clear on this issue, and Christians and churches need to be equally clear as Jesus is. A lack of clarity is why transgenderism and homosexuality is so mainstream now. You'd expect non-regenerate or non-saved people and leaders to believe a lie. That's normal because they just can't understand the truth. And when that happens and there's no pushback against it from the church, the voices for sin become more abundant than those for righteousness. And when the church is weak, Christians who are attending these churches aren't able to fend off the lies. They have no no basis for having a, a sound biblical argument. They have no conviction to say anything about it. They have no courage And then it gets worse when actually professing Christians try to accommodate and actually say you can be a gay Christian or a transgender Christian, and this becomes integrated into the church. That's where everything just falls apart. And society never goes backwards on on these issues. Have you ever noticed this? No one's, quote unquote, rights are ever taken away. We've never gone back on abortion. Let's pray that that is the case someday. We've never gone back on same-sex marriage once that was passed in 2015. Likely, if this transgenderism gets enshrined into the Civil Rights Act, we're probably never going to go backward on that as well, because it would be seen and be portrayed by the media and everyone else as being uncompassionate and and hateful. And this is exactly what Paul said to the Thessalonians. He said, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work skipping down to verse 11, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Boy, is that appropriate for this worldview of homosexuality and transgenderism. And frankly, all sexual immorality, even the type of heterosexual immorality that the church has looked the other way at today. But there's a big transition in this passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The big transition changes to the good news. Verse 13 says, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit And faith in the truth. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or mouth or by letter from us. And that's a perfect way to end the program. Christian, we need to stand firm on what God has said in His Word. And if you have not put your faith in Christ, if you have, let's say, struggled with this issue we're talking about today of transgenderism, the good news is there is hope, there is forgiveness waiting for you. No matter how deep you've gone into sin, do what the Bible says. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did for you on the cross, paying the penalty for your sin, and you will be saved. You can find out more about how to be right with God by visiting our website, thechristianworldview.org. Until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm.
3: The mission of The Christian Worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program or to sign up for our free weekly email or to find out what must I do to be saved, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org or call us toll free at one 1- one 888 646 The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported ministry and furnished by the Overcomer Foundation, a nonprofit organization. You can find out more, order resources, make a donation, become a monthly partner, and contact us by visiting thechristianworldview.org, calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.